Good morning everyone, welcome to our service today. Well, four months into lockdown with two kids and it has become impossible to record from home and so I'm very blessed to be recording from church today and it feels empty without you all here. We are working really hard preparing for our return to this building and the charter. We're keeping up with the government updates and we are excited about the recent changes to restrictions but there is a lot to do in the coming weeks to get ready for opening again. We are praying for God's leading and we're making plans, so please be patient with us as we take time to think about what comes next and we will let you know as soon as we can. But there is so much being written in these days about what it means to be a true worshipper. I read something this week about how if our worship is dependent on our building, then the future of the church is in trouble. We know that the Holy Spirit is in this place but he is also where you are right now. We really believe that and we want to live that out. And that is why the prayer course that we've been doing has come at the perfect time because it is encouraging us to develop and cultivate our personal faith, to become worshippers wherever we are in a time where we can't be together. This is an opportunity to know God deeper. Father God, open our hearts to you this morning. We long to hear from you, to experience your presence with us in our homes, in our streets, in our families. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the last few weeks, we have been focusing on prayer and using Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray, to frame our sermon series. We've been using his acrostic, Pray, to help us to learn more about how to pray. We looked at P, pause when we come to prayer. R, rejoicing and adoration in prayer. A, ask God. Ask God for yourself and ask God for others. And now we come to Y, to yield and to surrender. And we're going to look at this over the next few weeks as we come to the end of our series. The why of prayer has been fairly new for me and I found it really helpful. To pray a prayer of surrender or yielding when you get up in the morning is to say, I can't do this day without you, God. To pray this prayer is to say, I've tried things my way again and again and I know where I always end up. God, let me do things your way today. So today, as we think about surrendering to God, we're going to look at contemplative prayer. So what is contemplative prayer? Well, it is mostly a silent enjoyment of God's presence. It's the deepest kind of prayer because this type of prayer seeks real communion with God. Pete Gregg gives us three descriptions which help us understand more what contemplative prayer is and I think it's really helpful so I want to read what he says as we try and get our heads around this this morning. Firstly, he says that contemplative prayer is consumed with God's love. Secondly, it is mostly a quiet, wordless form of silent meditation upon Christ in which we just enjoy his presence without doing or saying anything. And thirdly, it is experiential rather than logical, an intimate sharing, a trusting openness, a feeling that comes to the foreground. He says contemplation is stargazing rather than astronomy. It's listening to jazz rather than hearing a talk. Basically, it's that deep connection that we long for. We see this in scripture a lot, particularly in the Psalms. Psalm 1 talks about 
meditating on the Lord, the law of the Lord day and night. Psalm 19 speaks about the meditation of my heart. Psalm 62 is all about our soul finding rest in God. And then God is quite directive in Psalm 46.10. In that famous verse, he says, be still and know that I am God. All of these require such surrender to God because to be still or to find rest in him or to meditate on him means that everything else needs to be put aside. It means we need to put down our lists and our requests and recognise our need to just be with God. It's about being and not about doing. Contemplative prayer is the place where we refuel and find strength. Pete Gregg says, if petition is prayer at its simplest and intercession is prayer at its most powerful, contemplation is prayer at its deepest and most personally transformational. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find prayer overwhelming. The world can be overwhelming and sometimes I can find myself bringing my lists of worries and concerns before God and rhyming off the lists of things in the world that are breaking my heart and naming people before God who are really struggling. And then I start to run onto the next thing, but I'm left feeling deflated and flat and helpless from my time of sitting down with God. And that's because I missed the next step where I take time to fix my eyes on God and allow his love to surround me and lift me and fill me because it's his presence that makes all the difference. I cannot emphasise enough the importance of this type of prayer. You might think it sounds complicated, but it's not. We're really just talking about sitting or walking and being with God. If you feel like you are missing something in your relationship with God, then it's probably this, this encounter and experience of his presence. This is what gives life to our faith. And I don't think it's an accident that contemplative prayer comes straight after unanswered prayer in Pete Gregg's book, because the two are so linked. For me, it was the times when prayer was unanswered and I was left dealing with heartbreak or trauma or disappointment or anger when contemplative prayer became so important for me. Because contemplative prayer is about experiencing God's presence when you have no words. And there are no words that will help when you're heartbroken. You only need the presence of God. I remember times, particularly when we had the miscarriages, where I just didn't know what to say to God. In all honesty, I didn't even know if I wanted to say anything to God. But I knew I needed him. And I knew I needed to be with him. And so I would maybe go for a walk or just sit and deliberately try and place myself in God's presence. There's something really powerful in the intention of coming before God, wherever you are, however you are, even if you don't want to be there. It says to God, I'm here. And it begins to put down deep roots of faith that will last a lifetime. And so before we move into our second part, we're going to do just that. We're going to come before God and worship and say, I'm here. However you feel today, Whatever you are dealing with, 
deliberately and intentionally bring it before God so that you can receive from him what he has for you today. Father God, we are here. Lord, we are longing for you to do a deep work in us that only you can. Maybe we've come before you distracted, God, but we do our best to be fully present with you just now. And we ask that you would give us what we need this morning as we pour out our worship to you. Amen. Good morning. My name is Margaret, and today's Bible reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. God bless you. I definitely identify with Martha in this passage. In fact, for ages when I read it, I identified so much with her that I couldn't really understand why Jesus was on Lazy Mary's side. Poor Martha's working hard. Wouldn't we all like to be sitting down like Mary? But there are things to be done, and if Mary would help, then Martha could sit down quicker. It's only as I've grown and learned and listened to God that I've found so much more in these verses. Actually, now I long to be like Mary. Mary who would value being in Jesus' presence so much that she knows everything else can wait. Mary who knows that she will do everything else with a better attitude and more effectively once she has been with Jesus. Mary who knows that there will always be a million distractions and thousands of things needing done, but that moments with Jesus are precious. And so she hangs on his every word. This passage is always such a challenge for me to read. In fact, this topic is a challenge for me to think about because I am a doer. I keep busy, I like to be productive, I see things that need to be done and I'm motivated to do them. But there's a challenge for us doers where we can find it hard to be with Jesus. I said that contemplative prayer is not complicated, but that doesn't mean that it is, I necessarily think it is easy. It's not always easy to be still or slow down. I can even see this coming in my prayer life. I could be tempted to pray for lists of things because that feels like a productive prayer time. I love ticking off a list and I love seeing how much I've achieved, but that kind of approach completely misses the point of prayer. And that's why contemplative prayer is so important. The temptation for a doer is to make our relationship with God more about serving him than about being with him. And the danger of this is that we can begin to find our worth and identity and strength all wrapped up in what we do rather than being wrapped up in who God is. Being with God rather than doing stuff for God is a healthy reminder of what it's all about. But that's not to say that we only take time in God's presence and we never do anything else. Contemplative prayer refuels us 
It gives us what we need and it sends us out again. I love those verses in Isaiah 6 where basically Isaiah has come before God in disappointment and grief over the death of his king. He's unsure of what is next and he's feeling the hopelessness that comes with loss. But Isaiah fixes his eyes on God in contemplative prayer. Let me read it to you. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. These were angels which surrounded God's throne. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. You begin to see a picture of this encounter with God. Isaiah experiences the presence and the love of God, which is all-consuming, and everything else begins to fall away until it is just God. Contemplative prayer. And it is into this context, this experience of God, that we read verse 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. You see, our encounter and experience with God in the place of contemplative prayer is not simply for our benefit or our healing or to make us feel nice and whole, but God is always moving us out, commissioning us, sending us, calling us to do whatever we do every day for the glory of God and with his love. It was Mother Teresa who said, it is not how much we do, but how much love we put into the doing. It is not how much we give, but how much love is put in the giving. Contemplative prayer helps us even gain perspective in our purpose as Christians. It's not how much we do, it's how much love we put into the action. I think we've missed something really important when we think of what we do as mission, when really it's worship. The way we love others is part of our worship of God. Our motivation is not to get stuff done, it's to find where God is amongst the poor and the broken. Jesus says in Matthew 25 that what we have done for the very least and the most vulnerable we have done for him. Contemplative prayer is where our hearts are changed and our love for others is deepened. We're going to sing again and it's an opportunity to use the words of this song as a prayer from our hearts. It says, we will keep our eyes on you so we can set our hearts on you. And Lord, would you define our hearts to be more like yours? In this place of worship and prayer this morning, as we fix our eyes on you, will you bring transformation by your Holy Spirit? Lord, we don't want anything in us that is not of you. And so will you convict us and show us, mould us and shape us to be more like you. Amen. So really practically then, how do we engage with contemplative prayer? Well, as always, the book How to Pray is fantastic at walking you through these steps and the video for this session on the Prayer Course website is excellent if you want some better or deeper teaching. Pete Gregg give, describes Quantum of Prayer as a journey that passes through three stages and I just want to highlight a couple of things. 
first it begins with meditation or the stage which begins with me and God. And this first stage is when you come before God and you're trying to fix your eyes and your mind on something of him. Now, it could be anything, it could be a picture that stirs your heart, a thought about God, a name of God, nature as you're walking. And for many people, focusing on the word of scripture is all that's needed. And you will know exactly what it's like because I'm sure you have experienced the difficulty of meditation. You settle yourself to focus on God in whatever way, but you're still so aware of yourself. Thoughts are coming in, to-do lists keep coming to mind, distractions are at the ready. You are very aware of yourself, your needs, your problems, and it feels like hard work to fix your eyes on God. You need to keep bringing your mind back anytime it wanders. And if you can persevere, you will move into the next stage, which is contemplation. As you keep fighting to bring your focus back to God, eventually the focus shifts and God becomes the centre. It is no longer me and God, but it becomes God and me. What I mean by that is God becomes bigger and the focus on ourselves becomes smaller. The third stage is communion with God, where your focus is only God. Everything else has begun to fall away, including yourself, and you just become enveloped in the presence of God that is overwhelming. This may seem well beyond anything we could ever experience, but many of you will have experienced it really naturally without even realising it. It is something that every single person is capable of to get completely caught up in the presence of God. So you can maybe think back to your experience of church. If you're anything like me, some weeks in church I would sit down ready for the service but my head is all over the place with distractions. I'm singing the words but I'm distracted by people bustling about. I'm excited to see people and who's coming in the door. I'm singing but my mind keeps wandering to who I need to speak to after the service. I'm worried about so-and-so, haven't seen them in a while, or I'll need to try and catch them to see how they are, so I'll need to be quick. I keep bringing myself back to worship, but again, there are more distractions. The kids are getting overexcited. They want to go and see their friends. They want up, they want down, they want snacks. I bring out all the toys to try and keep them focused. They need the toilet. They keep asking about creche and Sunday school. John usually asks about a million times when it's time to go and count the money. He's always very excited about that. And so I keep persevering. I keep drawing myself back to the words that are on the screen. I'm singing, determined to keep my focus on God. My commitment is to worship. And eventually it's like something shifts. I suddenly feel the other things fall away and become smaller. And God suddenly becomes bigger. The kids may have left for some school at this point. And before I know it, the words just feel powerful. And there are times when I even stop singing because it's like the presence of God catches my breath. And I become so aware of the power of what is being sung around me. The Holy Spirit is tangible. And there, <coughs> there is only God. Communion with him. Now that we are at home and unable to be together, I find the same things happen. At times it can be difficult for me to focus, but if I persevere in worship, I often end up so moved by the Holy Spirit when I'm watching on my screen. It would be easy to think 
that this was only something for mature Christians to experience. You must need to get to a certain level before you can experience something like this. But actually, this is what we were made for. We were created for this kind of connection and we can experience it in so many different normal life experiences. Pete Gregg gives a great example using a trip to the cinema. I won't go into it in great detail because I wouldn't do it justice and he describes it so well. But it's that same journey of positioning yourself in the cinema and trying to focus on, focus on it and enter into the film. He describes that same transition of eventually finding yourself so caught up in a good film that suddenly your attention and focus <coughs> and heart is all on the film. Everything else has fallen away in the experience. He captures it perfectly when he says, you no longer need to work at getting into the film because the film is getting into you. It is part of who God has made us to be to find connection like this. So experiencing God in a deeper way is entirely possible whether you've been a Christian for a long time or even if this is the first time you've clicked on this service. We were made for deeper connection. It's why we seek it out and often in all the wrong places. So how is this actually possible? Life is so busy and it can be hard to squeeze anything else in, never mind to spend ages sitting contemplating the wonder of God. Well, there's no getting away from the fact that it takes time and sacrifice and discipline. It takes real investment. It takes some perseverance. Now I know that the minute I say that you're probably switching off or thinking, well, it's not for me. We are in a world that wants a quick fix and quick results with very little effort. We want to be able to eat junk food, never exercise and still lose weight. <laughs> we want to be able to have closeness with God without taking the time to be with him in prayer. But the truth is that nothing great and nothing that lasts comes easy. It takes time to grow. On a walk with the kids one day, amongst all of the fighting, I was quiet and I was looking at the trees. Nature displays God's splendour, so it is great for contemplative prayer. The trees were huge and they were strong, and I wondered to myself how long it takes for an oak tree to grow to full size. I just wondered how long it takes for those roots to grow so strong into the ground so that the tree becomes immovable in our changeable weather. So I followed the train of thought in contemplative prayer and I googled it and it said this, an oak tree takes decades to mature. Depending on their species, the trees are 20 to 30 years old when they produce their first acorns. Even then, acorn production is not consistent from year to year. I thought to myself, wow, it is a slow process for an oak tree to grow to its full potential. Anything that lasts takes time. And it reminded me of those verses in Isaiah 61.3. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. This is what God longs to do in your life, to plant you where you are as a strong oak tree of goodness and righteousness, to display his glory to everyone around you. But anything great takes time, sacrifice and investment. 
And God's desire is not that we will spend hours and hours in the morning with him. I'm sure he would love that, but really his desire is that we will bring him into our quiet moments all day. And I love that we have a God who meets us in the moments. I speak this particularly to people who are at home in this lockdown with small children, because often all we have is small moments and God will meet you there. I love the intro to every devotion on the Lectio 365 prayer app. My most favourite parts of the devotion are the beginning and the end, and I've probably found them the most valuable. This is how it starts every day. It encourages you to take a moment, and it says this. As I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. I don't think I could describe contemplative prayer better than this because this is what I feel actually needs to happen for me to be able to engage with contemplative prayer. It feels like my senses are scattered. My mind is all over the place. I'm jumping from one thing to another and what I need to is to focus on God as much as possible with my surroundings. And I just take a deep breath like I'm breathing in the Spirit of God to refresh my soul and I pray that prayer. And when we begin to experience this type of prayer, it becomes a way of life, finding God in the moments and it changes how we see the world. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that we should pray continually. And he doesn't mean that we should exhaust ourselves by trying to conjure up complicated prayers all day long. But he means that our approach to life should be changed because we have spent time in God's presence. And so we can't help but see him everywhere in this world. In nature, in a loving marriage, in our children laughing, in the enjoyment of food, in the blessing of exercise, in the people we meet. Pete Gregg says, The more we see Christ in prayer, the more we see him everywhere we go and in everyone we meet. The whole of life becomes an invitation to worship. When I think about this type of life, one categorised characterised by contemplative prayer, I think about my mum. My mum was a beautiful woman. I remember, particularly in my teenage years, she would sit in her room at night and I knew she was taking time to be with God. After she died, I had to clear out all of her stuff and there were hundreds of pieces of paper, all with words written on them, words of worship, books and journals focused on who God is, amazed at his character. She would write down one sentence from scripture and then she would write all around it different ways of understanding that phrase, different words which helped to describe it. And sometimes alongside it she would write prayers worshipping God, asking for forgiveness, detailing the ways that she'd fallen short and asking God to help her to be more like this. She was a contemplative prayer. She took the time to be in God's presence, to allow him to touch her heart and it was visible. My mum and dad's relationship was volatile at times because they were both strong characters but over the years my mum spent with God I watched her soften and change. 
and it really began to have an impact on my dad. She became strong in a really different way. She was faithful to God even when my dad wasn't interested in faith. And my mum began to change the atmosphere in our house. It was the catalyst which opened all of our hearts to faith. And it became visible in every area. She went for a job that she wasn't qualified for and she had no experience with. But she was passionate about it and she felt that God was leading her in that direction. And she got the job working with the most vulnerable, forgotten people and helping to bring healing and wholeness, carrying the spirit of God into every situation. My mum was her most confident self before she died. She was never proud or arrogant, but she had a quiet strength that was inspiring. It was God's spirit which was changing her, radiating throughout her life. She really wasn't perfect. She was still mad a lot of the time, but that really gives me assurance that God can still work with us, can still work in us, and can still work through us, even in our madness. Hallelujah. I want us to finish with a fantastic quote from the book, How to Pray, which just sums up the blessing and the joy and aim of contemplative prayer. It challenges me and it encourages me and it blesses me. It says this, what if the hour you spend in the prayer room is when you refocus on Jesus so that you can carry his presence with you into the other 23 hours of the day with a heightened awareness that he is with you, he is for you, that he likes you, that he hears your thoughts. You start to pray in real time. You instinctively lift situations to the Lord in the actual moment that you experience them. While you're watching that distressing news report or hearing about your friend's latest crisis, you're no longer deferring all your prayers to some later, holier moment because your whole life is becoming that holier moment. Father God, I pray that you will help us to live with holy moments all day long. Lord, that we will be able to worship and praise you in all that we do. And Father, that as we focus our eyes and our hearts on you, you will change us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. We pray that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. We pray that you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And may you be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think, Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen.